Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode. Today I'm going to be recapping UFC 276 Adesanya vs. Cannoneer. So I'll just give you the results from the full card starting from the first fight going to the main event. First fight was Julia Stoliarenko defeating Jessica Rose Clark via armbar at 42 seconds of round number one. Then we had Macy Barber defeating Jessica I via unanimous decision. Jessica I then retired after the fight, saying that she wants to move to the WWE or AEW and become the female undertaker of professional wrestling. The next fight we saw Andre Muniz defeat Uriah Hall via unanimous decision. Most pundits coming into this fight expected a submission win or bust for Muniz, so it was kind of a surprise to see the decision result, although the result was never really in debate. He got Uriah Hall to the ground almost every single round, had him in danger of submissions, and Hall fought to survive the end of the round in every single round. The next fight on the card was the one I was most excited for coming into it. We saw Drikas Duplassie uh, defeat Brad Tavares v. UD. It's an absolute slugfest, and this was my fight of the night personally. Uh, first round, Duplessis wasn't exactly hitting on all cylinders. Coming out for round two, he looked extremely tired, and all he did was batter Tavares for the last two rounds. Tavares would land a few shots, but it was never anything that you saw Duplessis look like he was going to struggle to recover from. Duplessis looked like he was murdering Tavares with almost every shot he threw, and Tavares somehow kept standing. It was an insane rock'em sock'em slugfest, and absolutely was my favorite fight on the card. Next up, we had Ian Gary defeating Gabe Green via unanimous decision. Gary looked sharp as ever. Continuously was landing combinations, getting out of range before Green could land anything more than a shot or two back. This fight also was never really in question. Ian Gary's one of the people now that it seems like he's not going to be as exciting as Conor McGregor. He's just the kind of Irish fighter that's going to go out and look to finish you, but also be satisfied with just getting the win on points if that's what it requires. I enjoyed watching him. He pretty well had it under control the whole time, and he moved his record to 10-0. The next fight we saw, Jim Miller defeat Cowboy Cerrone via guillotine choke at 132 of round number two. Cowboy retired post-fight saying he didn't love the sport anymore and he was going to go be a movie star. Props to you, Cowboy. The one UFC event that I have ever attended was um, in Chicago where Cowboy and Tony Ferguson fought the infamous fight where Ferguson hit Cowboy late after the end of the first round, instantly apologizing for it even though Cowboy was visibly annoyed, and then after round two, taking another five minutes of beating from Tony Ferguson, Cowboy blew his nose and his eye uh, swole shut, ending the fight. Um, yeah, so I have nothing but good memories from Cowboy with either being wars, great fights, or highlight real things that were happening. The combination against Rick Story forever being the best I've ever seen in my life. Head, body, head. Amazing. So, good luck to Cowboy and whatever he goes on to do in his life. Next fight on the card we saw Jalen Turner defeat Brad Riddell via guillotine choke at 45 seconds in round number one. And gave the quote right after, which I loved, was, uh, I don't get paid by the round, so the sooner the better. Which... The very beginning of the fight, almost one of the first few punches he threw to Riddell looked like it hurt him. 
and eventually got Riddell to slip, fall, and threw the guillotine on for the finish. Next fight here, we had Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz, which was rule and no contest due to an accidental eye poke. If you couldn't see, I made some air quotations. I made some air quotations around eye poke. You already know where this is headed. I'm not going to get too deep into it yet because I'd like to talk about it later when I say my predictions from the main card. So we're going to move on. The next fight we had Brian Barbarina defeat Robbie Lawler via TKO at 447 of round number two. Lawler to me looked good. He looked loose and he looked almost happy to be in the octagon, which is kind of weird for a guy the nickname Ruthless, who usually looks like he wants to murder his opponent once the cage is shut, slammed shut. I think he kind of just got a little confused by the hand movements of Barbarina, which I will also get into later discussing the main card. The next fight we had was Alex Pereira defeating Sean Strickland via TKO at 236 of round number one. How done are you, Sean Strickland? You knew the one thing not to do with Alex Pereira was stand and trade. And what did you say all week that you wanted to do was stand in front of him because you didn't think he had the power and you could take him? How dumb can you be? I hope this proves to everybody, whether it's Israel Adesanya, anyone else in the middleweight division, uh, you don't do that with Alex Pereira. After the fight, Pereira did call it Stylebender, which later on in the card you saw Stylebender kind of answer that. Co-main event of the evening, we had Alex Volkanovsky defeat Max Holloway via unanimous decision. To me, Max just looked slow and Volk looked crisp. Again, I'm going to get into that later, but I would like to say how much different do these scores look without the giant gash on, on Holloway's eyebrow. That thing was mortifying. I've, I've never seen a cut so deep where the Q-tip from the cut guy can literally go in the cut and be enveloped by the skin around it again. The closest thing I could get to that would have been Dominic Cruz's cut on his eyebrow again against Cody Garbrandt, and that was on the same card as Amanda Nunes versus Ronda Rousey. So if that tells you anything, that was like UFC 206, something like that, 208 maybe. That's been a long time since we've seen something like that, and it was just ridiculous. It never stopped bleeding with the Vaseline in there, with the Q-tips in there, and it never slowed down either. It was always constantly just Holloway's face being covered in blood the last fight main event we saw Israel Adesanya defeat Jared Cannonier via unanimous decision and said after the fight you all know who the next fight is referring to Alex Pereira who won earlier now I'm going to review my predictions for the main card here this is why I was kind of trying not to get into too much detail before we're going to kind of go over what I got right and wrong most of it was wrong but here we go again main event I predicted Adesanya was going to win, but by a finish. Cannoneer wasn't really as aggressive as I expected, but on the other hand, Izzy also didn't really go for that statement finish he was talking about all week. So I kind of consider this a win, but I know I lost, but I was half right because Adesanya still won. So I'm just trying to take what I can get. I will say that Adesanya looked pretty good. His defense held up well. I think that's why Cannoneer was kind of reluctant to even throw the shots that he usually throws and lands and hurts people with was just because Adesanya was so good at defending everything he was throwing. Um, he never really looked like he had Adesanya in any sort of trouble, whereas anytime Adesanya was connecting, 
you could see Cannoneer kind of going, oof, and like recoiling back, kind of like he was shocked there was that much on such a short shot every single time he landed. Co-main event, I had Max Holloway to win, which you know I'm wrong here already. Uh, Volkanovski just looked extra sharp, like Korean Zombie 2.0 performance on top of him. Uh, Max just looks slow and almost scared. Like I'm, I'm thinking something must have landed early that either hurt Max or had him worried about diving into some exchanges. He looked reluctant to even throw his hands really at all throughout the fight. It was almost like he was either waiting to counter or didn't even want to get into many exchanges. But um, it also came out after that Volkanovski at least said in the tunnel that he broke his hand in the first round. I'm not sure how much truth there is to that. I'm not doubting him, but sometimes you hear some crazy stories right after fights, not being excuses, but kind of making yourself look better. Sometimes you know what I'm getting at if you're you know, UFC fan. Some people just make stuff up to look more impressive, and some people make stuff up just to look better for losing fights they maybe should have won. I'm not doubting Volk, but it's not much evidence besides him just saying, I broke my hand in the first round. But that brings me to saying I, I'm just kind of curious on what Max is going to do next because you would think if your championship path is blocked in your desired weight group that you would move up. Well, the problem here is Volkanovski has also been vocal about saying he wants a chance at the lightweight belt, the division above. So basically, even if Holloway went to lightweight and was successful, he's going to end up having to go through Volkanovski again. And I can't really see a way where both of them move up and then fight for a fourth time when it's 3 nothing Volk. I think either Max is going to turn into another money fight, which isn't a bad idea seeing as he's 30 years old and has nothing else really to prove. He's already beaten Jose Aldo and all the other great featherweights, dominated the division before Volkanovski came along, and Volkanovski has looked like Max Holloway did coming up. So I, I don't really know what Holloway really has left to prove here, but I, I think he's going to turn into kind of the Conor McGregor money fight where he could fight featherweight, lightweight. If he wanted to, he might be able to fight at welterweight. I don't know how much muscle he could pack on, but you know the body frame he's got could definitely be a welterweight body. So I'm just kind of curious where they take it. I've heard that his next fight may be against Justin Gaethje at lightweight, which would be a barn burner of a fight. That would be insane to see. But I'm not believing anything until I see it come out because it's the UFC and they change their minds on a daily basis. Also kind of interested to see what Volk does personally because I think that in lightweight you have Charles Oliveira who's not champion anymore technically after he missed by half a pound or whatever it was in his last fight against Gaethje. And uh, Islam Makachev who has been vocal about saying he can beat Oliveira and that he's next in line and that he shouldn't be skipped and all of this stuff. Khabib's lobbying for it as well which you know Dana's going to take Khabib seriously so I think I think personally Volk is going to stay at 145 for another fight who that is I have no clue yet but I think he stays for one more fight at 145 lets that Oliveira Makachev fight happen and then either we got some kind of Conor McGregor mega fight at lightweight which Oliveira wants to fight him anyways and Conor was going to want a title shot and I can definitely definitely see the UFC putting McGregor into that fight whether he deserves it or not uh just to make some money personally I could easily see that happening so I think either Volk will be 
against Makachev or Oliveira, barring, like I said, the possibility of McGregor fighting Oliveira should Oliveira win. Next fight I had predicted for the UFC 276 card was Sean Strickland to defeat Pereira. And oh my goodness, like I said earlier, how dumb are you, Sean Strickland? All week, he was saying how he was going to stand in front of of Pereira and trade with him because he either didn't believe he had the power or thought he could handle it and knock him out himself. I, Sean Strickland, man. I love you, dude. I said it in my preview podcast, but how dumb are you, dude? You knew the one thing he wasn't going to be good at was something you were at least decent at worst at, and you just failed to even try. I just don't understand that one at all. Um, I said I thought Strickland had a good chance as long as he wrestled to keep Pereira from getting that highlight reel finish, and the complete opposite happened, and it only took half of a round to take place, so... Pereira had his highlight reel finish, got to call out the champ, and he's probably going to get his wish. That's going to come up to be a good fight as well, the rematch of their kickboxing days. I don't know where Strickland's going to go because he took an unranked guy in Pereira for a fight at four ranking for himself. I don't see him falling too far because everyone knows he's a real deal contender, but at the same time, you have to assume he's probably going to fall somewhere to seven or eight at nine at worst. I would say I don't think he's going to fall out of the top ten with that. But he's going to fall a little bit and have to fight or two up back to where he was. And I see Pereira, obviously, is going to be the next title challenger to Adesanya. Now, I didn't know this next fight was going to be for sure on the main card or not. Didn't give much insight into it. But then we had Ryan Barbarina versus Robbie Lawler. Second fight into the main card. Robbie Lawler looked surprisingly good. And it was kind of weird to see him so loose and almost happy to be in the octagon. Because like I kind of said earlier, he was known for almost once the cage door locks, having that serial killer look right across the cage into your soul. Like you knew you were going to get Mike Tyson whooped kind of deal. You know, when Tyson used to run into the ring with just a towel on, run straight at you, you knew you were going to get busted up. Robbie kind of did the same thing. This time he looked kind of loose and just free. Just kind of weird for a guy named Ruthless, but... He looked good to me, and during the second round, Barbarina's hand movements kind of looked like they confused him. You could kind of see him like visibly like squinting and leaning side to side like he wasn't really sure what was going on, and Barbarina was kind of landing. Even the short little back fists that weren't doing much damage, he's just still touching Lawler the whole time, where at the end of the first round, I remember seeing the, uh, the stat come across the bottom of the screen where... Robbie Lawler had landed about 40% of his punches, not a great number of them. He only threw about 60, like a low 60 or a high 50 amount of strikes total, and landed about 40 to 50% of them. And it said Barbarina had thrown over 120 strikes, and those strikes were, like I said, just those small little backhands towards his face, just kind of like random movements to get Lawler off guard. And... They might not have done any damage. Shoot, they might have done nothing. They might have just been for show. But they ended up leading to the finish, distracting Lawler kind of a little bit, and then Robbie kind of losing his zone, kind of getting confused and caught up along the side of the octagon and just getting teed off on for a good 10 or 15 seconds before the referee jumped in and stopped it. And he didn't hardly even protest until he 
got to the stool and kind of started shaking his head, but it was more almost out of frustration for his own performance, it seemed, than it was the referee stoppage. He didn't even seem to really argue the referee stoppage of the fight. It was more just frustration with himself. I kind of honestly, personally, once I saw him be defeated in this fight, after seeing Jessica I and Cowboy Cerrone retire early in the night, I wasn't even going to be shocked if he threw down his gloves as well and said he was done. But I think Lawler would want to be one of the guys where he goes out on a win. So I think he's got at least one more fight in him. But I would not be surprised to hear him come out and say that he's retired. In the meantime, he's such a great fighter, great legacy, amazing dude in and out of the octagon. I think no matter what he decides to do, I'm going to be a fan, support it. And so are all of his fans and UFC fans alike around the world. Now the very first fight on the pay-per-view... I predicted Sean O'Malley to defeat Pedro Munoz, and how much more frustrating of a fight can we have, honestly? I mean, Sugar Sean said it best after his post-fight press conference, where he said, Pedro's just looking for an easy way out. I don't agree with O'Malley, personally, where he said uh, he felt like he was dominating the fight, and he checked every single one of Pedro's leg kicks, which essentially turns into a strike for him, is what he said. Um, the person who asked him originally about it also mentioned that two referees had, or two referees, two judges had even scored the fight for Pedro in the first round. And O'Malley thought it was the dumbest thing ever. I don't know if I agree with the judges or O'Malley more about round number one, but what I will definitely say is you could see the tide turning in O'Malley's favor in round number two. Um, round number one. Munoz was landing a high number of leg kicks, but at the same time, there's some of those kicks, you know, where you can't really tell if they're checked or if they're just really good leg kicks coming at him. And I couldn't tell you personally if O'Malley's checking every single one that he got hit with, which was about 17 leg kicks in the first round. But I'm sure he checked a good few of them, and it probably hurt Munoz's leg because he quit throwing as many towards the end of the round. And the beginning of the second round, O'Malley... I don't want to say it was teeing off on him, but he was throwing more shots, connecting with more power and everything that he was landing, not even just to the head. He was throwing body shots as well. I just think Pedro was going for an easy way out. If you look at the replays, O'Malley's fingers are vertical per the rule, and none of his fingers even penetrate Munoz's eye. I thought Munoz was definitely looking for an easy way out, whether he was actually justified in his mind whether the fight was actually turning in O'Malley's favor drastically enough to resort to such a measure I don't know personally maybe he thought he was about to go down I don't know but definitely looked like he wanted to take the easy way out especially especially when the referee went to go get the doctor and he said he did it back to back meaning he felt that O'Malley had poked him twice where the only thing even John Annick said it that the guys in the recording trailer couldn't even find a second eye poke anywhere throughout the fight. No one had any idea what Munoz was talking about here. So I think he was just desperate to try to find some way out of the fight, and if he could somehow, in some means of desperation, get it changed to a DQ win, that's what he was going to go and try to do. So I don't agree with it. I don't like Pedro Munoz. Like, I wasn't a big fan of him to begin with. I kind of knew he existed He's only lost to former world champion, so respect. He's beating everybody that's not already had a belt. But after seeing a performance like this, I 
don't really have much respect left for him, if I'm being honest with you. So I don't agree with Sugar Sean saying he's completely undefeated because he lost to Cheeto Vera, but definitely don't think this fight should have been ruled a no contest. I think Munoz needs to have either uh, <laughs> either get a rematch with O'Malley, no way out of it, or uh, O'Malley needs to fight Cheeto Vera again because that'd be another move up in the rankings for him, someone he's already fought, someone he says he's already beat, not actually lost to. I think that's the next fight for Sean O'Malley. I don't know what Munoz is going to do next because I don't really care to see him fight again after that. But to each their own. Now I'm going to take a look back at how my best bets turned out. Adesanya versus Cannoneer. I said it wasn't going to go the distance. I was wrong. But honestly, neither seemed truly intent on finding a finish. It just looked like Cannoneer got scared early with something that Izzy threw as a counter and didn't want to rush in like he does with most people. And Izzy didn't want to be too aggressive knowing what Cannoneer had in his hands, taking out other people like he does. Last fight for Cannoneer, he fought Derek Brunson on the mat for almost the whole first round, comes out in the second round and immediately is hurting Brunson with everything he throws. So it's not even like his power fades. I think Adesanya was just playing it safe while still doing enough to make it look obvious he was going to uh, win the fight. So I was wrong. 0 for 1 to start. Then I picked Sean O'Malley to win by KO or TKO, which that result voided due to no contest being ruled. Thanks, Pedro Munoz. 0-1-1 after 2. And then I had Ian Gary to win. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Bada bing, bada boom, baby. Never even looked in doubt. 1-1-1 one, one, and one on my three best bets is still better than my F1 British Grand Prix predictions. So now let's take a look ahead at the next few UFC events that are coming up. July 9th, we have Fight Night, Dos Anjos vs. Fiziv. I saw a while ago that this was being promoted as the battle for the best Rafael in the UFC. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fiziv. So that should be a decent battle. I don't personally know much about Fiziv, but obviously if you're fighting Rafael Dos Anjos, you're at least a decent contender in the welterweight lightweight division. So should be a decent fight. I'm also excited to see on that card, we have Michael Johnson versus Jamie Malarkey, where both fighters either finish or get finished. So that's another one that I'm looking forward to on that card, but it's further down earlier on in the night. So that should be just as fun as the main event. Next, we have July 16th, the fight night, Ortega versus Rodriguez. And what a barn burner of a main event that fight is going to be. Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez, just look at their fights against Max Holloway. They both had absolute wars with Holloway, where early on they were getting plastered. Ortega's face when he fought Holloway was terrible. It was disgusting. By the end of round four, when the doctor stopped it, you couldn't even recognize him. And Rodriguez kind of had the same thing, but he ended up turning on the Jets in the end of the fight and actually doing damage to Holloway as well. Those two are going to be really fun to watch. This also includes the makeup of the Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy fight, which was moved from UFC 276 due to COVID protocols in the Murphy camp. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And then the next event we got is July 23rd, Fight Night, Blades vs. Aspinall. Co-main event is Darren Till vs. Jack Hermanson. We also have Patty the Batty Pimblet, Alexander Gustafson, and Molly McCann on this card. This is one of my highly anticipated Fight Night cards that I find about one or two of throughout the year. Cannot wait for that one. And the very next weekend, July 30th, we have UFC 277, Pena versus Nunez 2. Pretty stacked card, and 
looking forward to that one as well. The co-main event, we got Kai Carr of France versus Brandon Moreno for the interim flyweight championship as well. A rematch where these two already fought before. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to give you the result. But just say Kai Carr France is on a good run of form and Moreno has only fought for the championship in his last three fights. So can't wait to see that one. Let me know if you want some more UFC content, such as previews of each fight night, or if you just want updates on major news or just pay-per-view cards, let me know. Let me know what your thoughts are on UFC 276. If I glossed over a performance you enjoyed, or if I talked too much about something that wasn't that big of a deal, give me some stars, give me some likes, give me some comments. Any sort of engagement is appreciated, so thank you in advance. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.